This episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast is brought to you by our website, prettyhappy.place. Please visit our website to support the show. On this week's episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast, we meet Carly Bocek, who shares with us a bit about her family and her daughter, Charlotte, who has Rett Syndrome. But first, our top three theme is Rett Syndrome in the news. Today is Monday, October 24th, 2022. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah, and we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Rett Syndrome. And I hope you're having a wonderful October Rett Syndrome Awareness Month. Woohoo! It's been long, but we are coming to the end. We are. Another one in the books. It's been really great to see all the amazing posts. Yes. All the incredible stories, advice, people shedding light on things that you probably never thought about before. Yep. And so it's all been very, very good. And I appreciate people taking the time and putting in the effort to share that stuff with everyone. I do too. Because it's been I've, great. I've taken kind of the month off, basically. I haven't really been doing any of my own stuff, but I've been sharing other people's stuff in place of doing my own. And it's been nice. Yeah. I, I had intentions to do more and then those intentions went away. So I you still really have a week. Done much? Uh, you know, I just I I haven't had the energy or the desire, the strong desire. Yeah, there's been a couple of things we've shared, a couple of different reels on Instagram. That that was fun. That was fun to share kind of the basics of it. But thank you so much to everybody else who's been posting and sharing. It's been really great. If you want to see some of my favorite posts from the first two weeks, you can go to our website, prettyhappy.place, and visit our blog. I have a couple of blog posts there that I shared posts from around the world. Yep. I was able to connect with groups in Europe and South Africa and, of course, Australia <laughs> and the United States and Sweden. And anyways, it was really great to be able to share that stuff. And yeah, they've just got some really good content everywhere. Yep. But we've got a very long episode today, so we're going to jump right into our top three. So just as Sarah said at the very beginning, we're going to be sharing Rett Syndrome in the news. And beginning with number one, an eight-year-old with Rett Syndrome was signed to the Alabama State University's Lady Hornet softball team. That was a lot of words. <laughs> How's that? Sounds really cool. Uh huh. Uh huh. It was a little confusing to begin with because eight year old yeah. signed to a university softball team didn't really make sense. <laughs> I was kind of confused about that because that's not typical. But we will leave a link to the article in the show notes. So if you want to go there and read the original article. But the TLDR, 
Violet Monson. She is a eight-year-old who has Rett syndrome, and it is legitimate. She was signed as a member of the team, and it was made possible through an initiative called Team Impact, which is an organization that connects individuals with special needs to college sports teams. And so it's a way to help bring awareness while also providing opportunities that individuals with special needs may not have. So this is really neat because not only is she an official member of the team, but she is able to sit in the dugout at all of the home games for this. Oh, that's really cool. So congratulations to Violet on that opportunity. And I hope she and her family have a wonderful time at uh, the Lady Hornet softball games this season. Great job. That's awesome. I have a question really quick. Yeah. T-D-L-R? T-L-D-R? Yeah. Too long, didn't read. Oh. (laughs) Cool, 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 cool. Okay. All right, number two. A special awareness campaign lets you share a photo and be recognized in a piece of art. Now, you may have seen some of this artist's work before. This month, Emily Shiflett, who is an artist living with Rett syndrome, made a design, and she connected with Acadia, which is a pharmaceutical company that I think many of us are very familiar with. (laughs) They are helping her connect with... Rhett families, Rhett individuals, uh, anybody who is passionate about bringing awareness to Rhett syndrome. And on a website, rettrevealed.com, which is in the show notes, you can click that and go over to the website. You can upload a photo from this month, October 2022, and the picture will be featured in this beautiful piece of art collage that that Emily has put together. And when I first looked at it at the beginning of the month, towards the end of the first week in October, there wasn't a whole lot of pictures there, but slowly there have been more and more photos added. And there's plenty of space for more photos to get added. And you can add as many photos as you would like. So if you'd like to throw on 5, 10, 15 photos that you've taken from this month, whether it's an opportunity you had to bring awareness to Rett Syndrome or just something from this month during Rett Syndrome Awareness Month. It's a great way to support this great artwork. It's a great way to collaborate and see other families, what they're doing. It's just a beautiful thing to connect the community. So head over to that website, rettrevealed.com, and you can upload a photo. That is really cool. I have seen a lot of Emily's work before. And she has a website and everything that you can actually mm-hmm. purchase her, her artwork. Yeah, not only that, you'll also see on the website that she is a, oh, come on, where is it? A, a guest artist, um, a guest. <laughs> One more time. You got this. <laughs> she, okay. When you go to her website... You can also read about Emily's other work in her biography, which is at the very bottom of the page. And it talks about where her art has been displayed. And um, yeah, so she's she's done a lot. This isn't her first time doing it. She is not new <laughs> to this 
Rodeo of Art. She is very good at what she does. So definitely go over and help out that initiative and then take a look at what some other families have posted and it's all really good. And number three, a UK family receives their Rett syndrome diagnosis thanks to awareness campaigns. What? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a crazy story and there's a massive loop in the end. Is it loop? Curveball. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Massive curveball at the end. All right. So the Munson family, they have three children. Their oldest, George, is neurotypical. Their middle child, Mary, has autism. And their youngest, Oscar, has Rett syndrome. So it's a very dynamic family. Yeah. Lots going on in that family. Well, as with many boys who are diagnosed with Rett syndrome, Oscar's symptoms were and are rather severe. They, the parents have experienced a wide array of difficulties with Oscar's Rett syndrome, unfortunately, including an experience where he stopped breathing as a baby. He has struggled to keep, uh, he, as, as a baby, he was also struggling to keep milk down. And of course, physically, he was much further behind than his peers. Now, in September of 2020, Oscar was diagnosed with Rett syndrome, and it was thanks to a campaign called the 100,000 Genomes Project. So what is the 100,000 Genomes Project? Well, it is a project that was put together by the NHS, which is the um, healthcare system in the United Kingdom. And this is what their website says about this study. A world first study using data from 100,000 Genomes Project and published in the New England Journal of Medicine has demonstrated for the first time that whole genome sequencing can uncover new diagnoses for people across the broadest range of rare diseases investigated to date and could deliver enormous benefits across the NHS, and I'm sure beyond as well. The project looked at over 4,000 people from over 2,000 families who were early participants in the 100,000 Genomes Project. It found that using whole genome sequencing led to a new diagnosis for 25% of the participants. Of these new diagnoses, 14% found variations in regions of the genome that would be missed by other methods, including other types of non-whole genomic tests. Interesting. So, great project, providing more information for people. Really wonderful, especially when it comes to um, mutations that can be inherited and passed along. That's, mm -hmm. that's all great information for people to be aware of. Here's, here's what's really crazy about this. Their daughter, Mary, has, she was diagnosed with autism. Uh-huh. Thanks to Oscar receiving his diagnosis through the 100,000 Genomes Project, they discovered that she, in fact, has Rett Syndrome. What? Yeah. Which, I mean, of course, you don't want a Rett Syndrome diagnosis. But if you have something that's more specific that can provide more help for somebody... That is good. Yeah. So not only do they have Oscar, who is six years old, who has Rett syndrome, they have Mary, who is eight years old, I believe, and she has Rett syndrome as well. Oh, my gosh. And so very busy family yeah. <laughs> with that. 
And then also that just goes back to what I was saying. Um, it is important for awareness, whatever it may be, that could be sharing information across social media, or in this case, sharing DNA mm -hmm. and whole genome sequences with medical professionals. So that way we can get a better picture of the way that not just Rett syndrome, but many things pop up, pop up across our life. So that's our top three Rett syndrome in the news. Sarah, you have anything else you want to add? I just think it's crazy. Yeah. But, but like you said, I mean, I think having a specific diagnosis, though we don't want a Rett syndrome diagnosis, having the correct diagnosis is better than not. Oh, most certainly. Most certainly. Because I think it would be better for somebody, for example, to have a, um, a cancer diagnosis as opposed to just saying, oh, you have cysts all over your body. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would prefer to have cysts all over my body, but if the treatment is, is yeah. not going to help, I'd, I'd rather have the actual one. So yeah. totally agree. Before we continue with this week's episode, I want to share with you about a wonderful experience Sarah and I had a few weeks ago. We were invited to go on another podcast called the Safe Harbor Podcast. And this podcast is actually hosted and created by a parent of an individual with Rett syndrome. But the Safe Harbor Podcast isn't just about Rett syndrome. It's actually a podcast for parents of children with disabilities. And Teresa Bartolotta does a wonderful job highlighting different people's experiences, giving different ideas on how to cope, and simply helping reframe life's experience. So I am leaving a link in the show notes of this episode. Definitely go over and check out the Safe Harbor podcast. It was a very wonderful experience and we really enjoyed our time speaking with Teresa. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're excited to have on today's episode another wonderful friend from down in Australia, Carly Bocek. And I was really excited to chat with Carly because she reached out to us over Instagram and said she would love to come on the show sometime. And I love meeting people that I didn't know were interested in coming and sharing their stories. So Carly, thank you so much for reaching out and thank you so much for being willing to sit down and chat with us. Thank you so much for having me. It would be lovely to share some of Charlotte's story. Well, we're excited to share a little bit about her, your family, your guys' journey, and hopefully we have another friend by the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's just jump right into uh, your family. Tell us a little bit about uh, your family, the makeup of your family, what you guys like to do, your hobbies, that sort of stuff. So me and my husband, so Kevin, and we've got Charlotte, who is seven, and Liam, which is five, a bit about us. We love football. So NRL here in Australia, which is 
very, very popular. The, the kids love pretty much any sport. So outdoorsy family, like getting outside and, and doing things as a family. That's great. That's great. And just to clarify for my ignorant American listeners, we're talking about soccer, which makes no way. Are we talking about football? Football, football. football. Well, I feel stupid. (laughs) I feel so stupid. But for our ignorant uh, American, Ignorant, ignorant Sam. Who didn't bother to ask was making assumptions. Um, Granted, I am a soccer fan, also known as football. And that's why I jumped to that conclusion, but that's okay. Um, So is there, is there quite a bit of football played in Australia? Yes. Wow. So it's the finals here. Like, so the the professional is just at the the semifinal rounds. So yeah. More on the East Coast, though. So, like, there's no... So, it's AFL in, like, Adelaide and mm-hmm. um, Melbourne. Like, we've got an AFL team here. Yeah. But, yeah, football on the East Coast. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really Very great. lucky we've got a stadium that we can go and watch our teams play, which is wonderful. Uh, do they play weekly, typically? During they the do, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, what What is it that you guys enjoy so much about football? Um, I don't know. I think I just, we both got brought up with watching football that it just kind of was embedded in us, I guess. Yeah. 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 We that... go now too. So it's, so me and Charlotte will go for the Newcastle Knights and my son and my husband go for the Gold Coast Titans. So <laughs> it's nice to have a little bit of um, rivalry in the family. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to have some ribbing of one another. Is there, is there a, a natural rivalry between those two teams? No. So the Titans only come into the, into the football league. I think it was 2007. So they haven't been in it for very long. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah. may, maybe the Bocek family can ignite a rivalry between the two that sweeps maybe, across yeah. the nation. Yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll be the Bocek claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, obviously, the uh, the reason that we were able to connect with one another is because Charlotte uh, has been diagnosed with Rett syndrome, and as you already mentioned, Charlotte, she is seven years old. Tell us a little about Charlotte and who she is and what she likes to do. So Charlotte is seven. She absolutely loves school. To the point we have been watching a YouTube channel of the school. We watch it every day. School holidays, we have to drive past the school to show her that it's shut. <laughs> Very <laughs> She loves water, so she loves swimming. Music, loves music. And trolls. So Poppy is her favourite character. We don't watch trolls, but we listen to the music and she's got a lot of troll toys, so... That's pretty much her. Did you have to put a kibosh on watching Trolls? Was she, like, obsessed with that at any point in time? No, just wow. never wanted to watch it. Yeah. So, like, she, she'll watch bits and pieces of it. She, Charlotte's very good at, she loves the openings of things. So, like, here in Australia, she loves Bluey. I don't know if you guys have We love that. Bluey, too. Yep, yep. Our youngest is obsessed with it. Every day after his older siblings go off to school, he comes over to Sarah and says, Bowie, Bowie, because he yes. loves Bluey so much. 
and then yeah. he he wiggles. Yeah, during the, the intro. Yeah. yeah. For the intro. So she she loves the intro of things. So she won't watch a full thing. She will just keep skipping back to the beginning of it just so she can hear it and then she moves on to something else. So music and we'll move on. So yeah. There's no such thing in our house as sitting down and watching a movie together or watching a TV <laughs> show. So when COVID hit, it pretty much triggered something in Charlotte that we weren't allowed to watch TV. So the TV was not allowed to be on, otherwise it would cause it to have a big meltdown. So we can have sport on the TV, so she'll sit and watch sport, but if we wanted to watch, you know, Moana or whatever it was on the TV, we are not allowed to do that. That's so interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Also, She'll watch it on the but not on the TV. Hmm. Sounds like Charlotte really runs your house uh, efficiently. In an efficient, effective, precise way. (laughs) Well, it's great to hear that she loves school and it's a positive thing for her. How does she handle being out of school during, you know, off season? Um, (laughs) She doesn't handle it very well. Oh, man. She has stopped watching YouTube as much and she started watching other things, which is good, but we're coming into the school holidays in two weeks. So that should be a challenge. But I'm hoping that maybe we can get a carer to come and help. Oh, take it. Um, Especially the Christmas school holidays because Christmas school holidays are six weeks. So I think that might be quite the challenge to actually distract her long enough that to know that she's not at school for two weeks. But it is summer here. So I think being outside for her will be a big thing. She loves swimming. So hopefully Christmas holidays and we forget about school for a little bit. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you because we know how frustrating. I should take that back. Sarah knows how frustrating (laughs) that is. I have not spent a summer at home. How many years now? The entire time we've been married. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't really know. How it is. So Sarah can empathize with you. Yes, I can. Yeah, very acutely and intimately she can empathize with you. <laughs> well, we we are certainly interested in hearing a little bit more about your family's journey to receive Charlotte's Rett Syndrome diagnosis. Would you mind sharing with us how that began, where it all started, and how you ended up where you're at right now? Yes. So we... Normal pregnancy with Charlotte normal little bubba and she continued to gain weight so she was a very very chunky monkey so she sat up when she was supposed to sit she never crawled until she was two but we went to a private pediatrician when she was 11 months old we were pretty much told that they like every parent that she'll just catch up there's there's nothing wrong with her at that stage We did get sent to an endocrinologist and they tested her for Prada-Willi and Angelman's, Mm -hmm. which both come back negative. Um, She had a little stint in hospital to test everything. They even tested my breast milk to make sure that I didn't have some superhuman breast milk because she was 26 kilos at 11 months old. So she was very, wow. very big. And then pretty much nothing. Like we, we, 
she'd already started therapy. So she'd had some physiotherapy and I think maybe when she was two, maybe 18 months to two, we started some speech therapy. But in that time, we were still seeing a normal paediatrician. Mm-hmm. Still continued to do tests. And then I can't even really remember how. So we ended up going to the geneticist and we did testing. So me and Kev both give blood, but we actually didn't know what they were going to be testing for. So that was March 2019 mm-hmm. and we didn't get the results until the September. Uh, so six months had passed, but we got a phone call saying that the the blood banks here were too full to actually test her blood that they had to be sent overseas to be done. So they did that and you get the phone call saying, oh, let's come in and we'll chat about her results. And I think at that point, because we had gone four years without actually getting an answer, we didn't really prepare to get an answer when we went into that appointment. Yeah. So we were very, very winded, I guess, when they come out and said that she had Rett syndrome because we weren't prepared I think we just went in there because we'd we'd had the conversation and said that if we didn't get an answer this round we were just going to give her a rest like we weren't going to do any more blood tests we weren't Mm -hmm. going to do anything we were just going to live life for a little bit and then if we needed an answer down the track that we would do that so I think we'd kind of made our mind up that there was going to be nothing in the bloods which was clearly very wrong (laughs) it was actually the the genetic guy was I'm going to say a bit of a jerk. Um, oh, no. Say that. But he actually said in the, so you, like we got a letter sent home and in the letter it said that Carly appeared very upset by this news and needed time to process. Well, no, duh. Like what parent that's just been told that their child has rep syndrome isn't going to need time to process this information? Seriously. So when I yeah, I was very, very offended and cranky when I received the letter from him that actually stated that in his notes. I thought it's one thing to think it, but to physically write it in somebody's clinical notes, I just thought was a little bit unprofessional, I guess. Well, and you've been searching for an answer for four years. Of mm. course, you're going to have some sort of emotional response. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what other response was I supposed to have? Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, my heavens. I mean, our our journey is slightly different in that when we went in for the genetic testing to get it started, they gave us a clinical diagnosis. Is that what it's called, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they told us there, we believe it's Rett syndrome. It may be Angelman's, but we just want to prepare you for it. And so we left told us not to google it of course we did and then we grieved from april um through to end of july beginning of august we get a phone call at the end of august saying we have your results zoe does have Rett syndrome and so when we received the results we had already been able to process it so we reacted to our clinical diagnosis the same way that you did when you guys received your actual diagnosis we totally get it of course it's going to be traumatic and you're going to have to grieve through it. What, what else are you supposed to do? Yeah. 
and it's a first time hearing that first it could be hearing. that or it is that there i'm sorry there there is no other way there is no other way than to be in shock or be hurt or to be upset or whatever difficult emotion it may be it's completely understandable that's, oh, that's incredibly frustrating that's it was it, it was a, a strange time i guess because we'd had i'd done like a post on facebook before she had a diagnosis just to reach out to some special needs families and there was a woman on it and her daughter had actually just been diagnosed with Brett. So I'd literally read the smallest of snippets about what Brett was, uh-huh. but my husband hadn't. So it was all new. And then you get a leaflet that says, this is what Brett syndrome is. Mm. And then we literally left the office and your world literally got flipped upside down in two seconds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm assuming that, the leaflet you received, it is not an accurate depiction of who Charlotte is and what she's capable of. Is that right? No. So she, like even now, like looking at Charlotte, you you Google or you tell people, oh, this is what she's got, and they'll Google it, but she's not in the textbook of what Rett syndrome actually is. So getting that diagnosis was she's not ticking any of the box. So she wasn't hand wringing or putting her fingers in her mouth or she never actually had a regression. So yeah, it was very hard to then process that she's got something that's so out of the box Yeah, as well. So does she, yeah. does she have, does she have typical Rett syndrome or atypical Rett syndrome then? Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she still, I mean, she didn't have a regression. The only word that she actually lost was dad. She lost the ability to say dad Mm -hmm. and she did tap on her chest. So we were teaching like the speech. She was trying to teach her more so that she picked up more, but because we didn't know she had Rhett, we just thought that she was doing that. But now looking back on the videos, it wasn't that at that thing kind of made sense was the more which was not signing more we did the exact yeah. same thing yeah. totally <laughs> thought zoe was signing more yeah. we were like woohoo she's learning sign language but i bet i bet charlotte got a lot of extra snacks and whatever else she was asking for when we thought that they were asking for because i know zoe yes. did <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I remember reading on one of your posts on Instagram that um, Charlotte, she was able to, I think this was a few years ago. um, She's, she was able to speak four words. Um, How is her speech now? She can say some sentences. So she's probably got five to seven words that she can put together in a sentence but I guess that would be the same thing. So like, uh, mummy, I want more. But then at school she can expand what she actually wants. If she doesn't know who you are or what you're about, she will just continue to say why, why, why. So she won't engage in conversation until she's actually warmed up to you and actually knows why you're in my space and what do you want from me. 
That's Which is a good trait to have, I guess. I mean, stranger danger for a little rat girl that doesn't communicate with strangers which is good absolutely well it seems like that's a very good mechanism to try and gather more information about your surroundings especially when everything is so foreign and difficult for you to navigate i mean today i haven't told you this sarah i was talking with zoe when i got home from work and she was kind of you know upset and annoyed and i started asking her some questions to figure out what she was upset about and i i asked her, are you upset with the with the tv being on are you upset with music playing are you upset with me are you upset with mom are you upset with your brothers are you upset with school yes okay um are you upset as as of late we've been having some issues because she's she's a little more advanced in the reading portion of school because she didn't really stop school for the summer and of course us having just started school again you know they take a step back and they they try to bring everybody up to speed well zoe she didn't really have a break and because of that she's a little bit further than her peers and she's annoyed (laughs) at at how slow they are and how they're uh you know they've gone back you know to some kindergarten uh topics to help her navigate that but I started asking her some questions about school and for some reason I asked her if she was upset by the way people were treating her at school. And I mean, the long story short is I can, I can only imagine how difficult that is to not be able to share that you feel uncomfortable or you're not happy with your surroundings or what's happening in it. And each of these individuals has to figure out their own way to cope with it. Which yes. is hard because then we have to figure out how to understand what they're trying to communicate and cope with. And there isn't a playbook for that. No. No, there's not, unfortunately. No, no, not at all. What what does uh Charlotte's day at school currently look like? What are some of the, the resources that she has access to? What is what are some of the subjects she enjoys participating in? That sort of stuff. Um so school is a hard topic for us. So I went very mama bear when it comes to sending her to school and I refused to let the Department of Education tell me that she needed to be put into a special needs school. She learned so much from her peers that I felt that if she was put into a special needs class and I don't have anything against that, it just wasn't the right spot for her at the time. And I say that purely for the fact that she was picking up so much from her peers that I was more concerned that if somebody had a behaviour, she would bring that behaviour home and I wouldn't be able to stop her from doing that. So we had multiple appointments with the school and I was basically told, no, you need to put her into special needs school. It's not going to work. You're not going to get a teacher's aid for her for more than two or three hours a day. And I didn't accept that. I was like, you will figure it out. She's coming to mainstream school. So me and the principal of where she's at now, but it heads the first appointment, but I will say he's the best principal that we could have asked for. He's very inclusive for Charlotte. She currently has a main in a mainstream class, but she has a, a full-time teacher's aide, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But her day, so she's still doing therapy. So I take her out for therapy just to kind of give her a break from school as well. But she 
she loves she loves drawing at school. She's learning her numbers, learning how to write her name. She does like to read, but she's more pointing at it opposed to verbalizing it. And she loves when they do sports. So she loves when they're actually allowed to go out of the classroom. That's great. We completely understand your reaction to the education system because we did the same thing. Yep. We very much did the same thing. And it, uh, unless there is an additional diagnosis that warrants putting an individual with threat in a special education only program, why not assume competence? Just because they can't communicate normally, assume competence until you're proven otherwise. Yeah. And that's where we've been at. And I think we're doing pretty well now and things are better. Yeah. Than, yeah. Things are good. And they were. And I think it's been to the benefit of not only Zoe, but for her peers and for the educators as well. Since she, she hasn't been put in a box, it's, it, it, it's forced them to look at the situation in a different way. In my opinion. Yeah. What does a school day look for Zoe? So we get her off to school pretty early, unfortunately. <laughs> we're, we're getting her out the door usually around 7 a.m. And she doesn't come home until around 3.40 in the afternoon. Um, during the day, what percentage of time is she in the general education class? The, the majority of it? I don't know the exact percentage. I can't, yeah, I can't but remember she, what it is. 60%, 70%, something like that. I think it's like 75 or 80%. Oh, is it actually? Higher? Yeah. So she spends the majority of the time, yeah, in, in the regular general education classroom, and then they take her out with a, um, they call them paraprofessionals. Um, they're employees of the school who work one-on-one. Um, -on -one. like an aide. Yeah, yeah, thank you, an aide. Yeah. 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 And so they'll take Zoe out of the classroom when they're working on stuff that, it makes more sense for her to have one-on-one -on -one time with either her and the aide or the special education teacher or a, a therapist. We're lucky enough that in, in the school system we're in, Zoe does receive occupational therapy and speech therapy and physical therapy. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that's yeah. Yeah. We're, that's we're lucky. Yeah. That's, that's not yeah. typical. Um, that's kind of how her day looks. So we're we're lucky that she's able to kind of have a normal day at school where it, the schedule is just kind of adjusted. Also, we're kind of weird here in in Colorado, in the state yeah. of Colorado, because we do a four-day school week. Um, so oh. on Fridays, it's school's closed, and so we are able to take Zoe to do an additional therapy about an hour north of us. And it's with horses. It's not hippotherapy, but it is, is it physical or no, it's occupational. It's occupational therapy. Yeah. Occupational therapy where they have a horse as a, as a tool. They, yeah. So they bill it. it, they bill it through insurance as occupational therapy and the horse is a tool that they use to do the occupational therapy because most insurance won't cover hippotherapy. Yeah. So. It's a cool way to get around it. Yeah. 
<laughs> great way, yeah. great way to get around yeah. it. So it's it, where I'm really happy with the way that they have the schedule set up for Zoe right now, because it, it allows her to have that, that time with her peers, but it also gives her some of that one-on-one time that she absolutely needs Yeah. because Rhett syndrome sucks. <laughs> Well, what are some of the challenges that you guys have experienced in your family with Rett syndrome and how have you overcome them? Oh, I find this one hard to answer. I think that sometimes because she doesn't fit in the typical Rett box that it, I think it makes life harder because she's every bit of a seven-year-old that's going on an 18-year-old but she still requires help. So she can get quite frustrated and cranky with this because she knows how to undress herself, but she also needs help. So I think at times it's very hard. And I think we post things on Facebook and and Instagram that show the rainbows of our life. I don't think that we share enough of not the negativity of it, but I don't think, I don't even think our own families realise what a daily struggle it is sometimes to even get her to have a shower or to not go to the fridge because she's constantly hungry. Um, I think we hide the daily struggles from a lot of people because it's easier to, to show what wonderful things she's doing opposed to how hard life can actually be. It's a hard line to balance because oftentimes yeah. I feel like I'm coming across as a whiny, petulant baby when I say those sorts of things, which is not true. It's just the way that sometimes I need to process it. And so it's hard finding a balance between the two of those and making sure that I am being honest and I am addressing what my needs are, but also not just complaining constantly. Yeah. Do you, because of Charlotte's diagnosis being more atypical. Do you, do you guys as a family find it harder to relate with other families who have children with Rett syndrome? I do. I think that, Oh, that made me upset. (laughs) Um, I do. I find it very hard to have an open conversation with another family because Charlotte's running. She can ride a bike. She seems to do all of these other wonderful things but then when I look up other rep families, they've got a, a daughter that is in a wheelchair and can't feed herself. So I think I feel very blessed to have Charlotte, but I also find it very hard to connect with other families and have a conversation of what what their day looks like because I know that the flip of it is very, very hard. I can Not ima- that Charlotte isn't hard either, mm-hmm. but it, yeah. Well, I can imagine that it would – They both both situations bring – their own difficulties. So for example, Zoe can walk, which we are grateful for. At the same time, that brings its own struggles because she can walk, but she isn't great with safety. She's not good with stairs. If there's a toy in her way, she's going to fall. You know, she's really unstable, which means we have to be constantly aware of that and looking for fall risks and and whatnot, which if she couldn't walk, those things, you know, wouldn't matter. We wouldn't have to be aware of that stuff. But, you know, then you have to reposition and all this stuff. So I feel like there's always, you know, there's always going to be pros and cons to 
whatever <laughs> blessings or struggles you have. Yeah. I think it's hard sometimes to like if we go out in public because she looks like she's a normal seven-year-old girl to the community. So sometimes she fatigues quite quickly and she needs a stroller. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle more when I go out by myself with Charlotte because I feel like a lot more people look at us as if to say, why are you pushing this child in a in a pram when she's quite capable of walking? But she fatigues very quickly. So just because she's doing the amazing things of walking, a kilometre for her could be 10 kilometres for her, like for her legs. So it's it's that balance too of knowing when I need to take it and when I don't need to take it because she's also a big girl that if she drops to the ground, I can't really just hoik her over my shoulder and take it to the car. When I was bathing Zoe the other night, I was literally thinking of that. How much longer do do we have where Sarah or I can lift her? And it sounds like you guys have already gotten to that point where you're not able to lift Charlotte anymore because she's seven. She's she's grown. She's getting big. That's part of life. And that brings a whole another set of challenges and worries because how do you handle a a situation where they they take a fall or they become fatigued very quickly what what do you do what's your plan of action yes it is heavy it's got me thinking about you know the future and what may lie down the future and what may not because you know there's all of these unknowns that are associated and come with having a complex child Obviously, when I was pregnant with Charlotte, I didn't realise that there was no such thing as a disabled bathroom that had the ability to change a a 15-year-old or an older person. So currently, Charlotte's toilet trained, so she is confident in that, but there may come a day that that isn't, and I need to then try and find somewhere to change it. Like, you don't realise those things until you become a special needs parent that you can't just go down to your local shop and there's a bathroom that's facilitated mm-hmm. for a special needs child. Or not just a special needs child, like obviously an adult. Like yeah. where are you changing people? Yeah. Yeah. Providing them with facilities that give them the d- dignity that they deserve, the dignity that the rest of us get. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So in response to, to your statement about it being difficult to see other families and their diagnoses. Is there any point in time where you have thought to yourself, I wish that Charlotte had a more typical RET experience? No. I don't, I, if, I, if I'm honest, no. I think, it, I think since she hasn't followed the path of a typical RET girl, I think that we just need to manage better of how we access help maybe and talk to other people, which again is hard. But I, for me personally, I find with her, if I write things down, like I'm better at communicating by writing things down and expressing things of how I'm feeling opposed to open-ended conversation. So if I wanted to talk to somebody, it would be easier for me to talk by writing it down. But no, I don't think I would. I think, She's where she's supposed to be, I guess. If she was supposed to be different, then would have happened like that. I've had I've had this thought many times, and I come I sometimes feel guilty 
about it because Zoe, I mean, Zoe has typical Rhett. Obviously, her experience is very unique to her. And what we go through as a family is very unique to us. And I don't know. It's it's sometimes, I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't even know what I feel like, <laughs> to be honest. I was going to say, what are you trying to say here? I, I'm, I'm saying that sometimes you see people going through stuff and you, you think that your position is better or your position is worse and you feel bad for having those thoughts. Sorry, you, I should say I. I feel bad for having those thoughts and I go through my head and I say, I wish that Zoe's experience was more like this or that. But then there's other times where I see other people's experiences and I say, I'm really grateful for where we're, we're at. Yes, Zoe isn't able to speak using her voice. And yes, she's unsteady with her walk and she can't use her hands at all. I, but I'm, I'm glad that's really all there is right now. I, I wouldn't want to... <laughs> add or subtract anything, which that's the other thing. I, I've also had probably over the past six months as we've been hearing more and more information about potential cures and potential therapies, therapeutics, I should say, for Red Syndrome. I've selfishly thought to myself, I don't want Zoe to get better from Red Syndrome because I don't know how that would affect my relationship with her. I don't know how that would change her. I don't know how that would change our family. It's the the unknown, even though most likely it is a positive unknown, the fact that it is unknown, sometimes I selfishly say to myself, I don't want those things to happen. I did not know that. I said that to my therapist a couple weeks ago. <laughs> That's why I feel comfortable sharing it here. Finally got it out in the open with everyone. <laughs> That's a nice perspective to have on that. I think my husband would be the opposite because Charlotte is very, she's the only, like, she will hit and she will scratch him. So she doesn't respond very well to Kevin type. So if he's doing something that she doesn't like, she can become quite violent with him. I shouldn't say violent. She just, she will lash out at him. So he has scratches on his arm. She will spit at him. She will bite him. So I think that even if the smallest of little change could happen, that he would 100% jump on board for that. But I get that. I get that, I guess, Charlotte is so typical that I don't know what life would look like if she was to become a, a normal child either. I think that would be scary but wonderful in the same sentence. It's, I imagine it's very similar to, to us sitting on the precipice of receiving a diagnosis. We don't know what that future holds. And obviously receiving a diagnosis is more negative than it is positive. Having answers is always good. But um, I, I imagine it's probably similar to that in that there would, number one, be just kind of this relief that something has happened. A decision has been made. Something's been done. And you just go with it because let's be honest, none of us here got a playbook of how to deal with, well, we got a playbook. You guys got a leaflet. We got a, 
700 page <laughs> document that I have yet oh. to crack open um, that supposedly <laughs> tells you everything about Red Syndrome. But I mean, the best way for us to handle it is just go through it, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes I've, I've thought about that as well. Like what would life be like if she was a neuro, like more neurotypical, right? If, if I didn't have to help her as much, if I didn't have to, you know, do those things. And I think, so for me personally, I think even, even something that would help alleviate her symptoms, I'm 100% for. Because it doesn't take away all of the things that she's taught us up till now. Like, there's a lot that we've learned and there's a very long way that we've come because Zoe was diagnosed with Rett syndrome. And her gaining abilities back if that were to happen doesn't negate all of the things that we've learned up to this point so for me I don't think I've ever thought you know I wouldn't want her to change or I wouldn't want well okay I have thought that but in regards to like her getting seizures or her stopping walking or like losing skills that she has now. I have thought about it in that sense because yeah. I'm not for that. No. <laughs> um, but I haven't thought about it in the sense of like her being, her symptoms being treated. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to anything. Um, yeah. You know, there's... There's nothing I can do to stop the progress of either therapeutics for Rett syndrome or curing Rett syndrome, nor do I intend to. If there is anybody out there thinking that I have a diabolical plan to end research regarding Rett syndrome, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that uh, I, well, I, I think that, like you said, Sarah, what Rett syndrome, at least in our family, has done is it's taught us a lot about accepting and loving others who are different, whether that's differently able or they think differently, they com communicate differently, whatever it may be, being more accepting of others and then having a desire to connect with those people. And it's provided us also with a community. And I think that's where I, I have the most fear is the, the loss, loss of connection to the community, which obviously there's plenty of people who have lost children um, because of Rett syndrome or um, they're not with somebody who has Rett syndrome. They were a caregiver or they were a therapist or whatnot, and they're working with other people, but they still feel connected to it. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a fear that's unfounded, but once again, it's just this unknown, Right. Is this fear of the unknown. If if that changes, if Zoe changes, what happens to us? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out when we cross that bridge, exactly. I guess. Exactly. Like I said, I can't stop it. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Some sort of therapeutic or, or cure it will happen at some point. And, uh, you know, you just accept it. I mean, it's, it's the same thing with, like, the regression. You have, as you mentioned, Sarah, you have a fear of regression happening with Zoe. 
I, I'm, I'm sure that crosses your mind as well, Carly, and your family that, you know, what if that happens? But the thing is, when it happens, if it happens, you cross that bridge and then you deal with it. And for whatever reason, that that is not that as doesn't scary. scare you? No. No. <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't, like I said, it, it comes across as me being selfish. I know that's how it sounds, but you know, that's just... That's Human. How, that's how, no, how my brain processes it, for better or worse. I'm stuck with it. <laughs> I think when, when it comes to regression, I think when she first got diagnosed, that was probably the scariest part for me, was that that first week she was diagnosed, I did not want to put Charlotte to bed. I, I just had this fear in my head that now she had this RET diagnosis that if I put her to bed, that she was going to wake up tomorrow morning and she wasn't going to be able to walk or she wasn't going to be able to call out to mum. So that first week that she was diagnosed was probably the hardest for regression because I guess it was all new. Now I can kind of not pre-prepare for it, but at least you kind of know what to expect and at least you know where to look for more resources to help them if they have a regression. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Being in the community now, we, we know where to go, who, who to turn to. And if we don't know who to turn to, we at least know people we can go to to say, I'm lost. I don't know where to go. This is what I'm experiencing and I need help. Yeah. Well, thanks for attending this therapy session for Sam. <laughs> I'm glad I finally got that off my chest. I've been really concerned about it for a long time. On a lighter note, I see on on Instagram quite a bit that Charlotte is wearing a, a shirt that says Emma. Is she a big fan of the Wiggles? She was, she's only just started watching the Wiggles again. So we're really excited that she's got a new project happening. What's that? Yeah. She's doing a, I think it's an all Auslan sign language show specifically for kids. I don't know where it, I've seen it like, last month on the news which was super exciting i remember sending it to charlotte's teacher's aid with pure excitement that she was doing something it's like oh, i can't find it now while you're pulling it up for for context emma from the wiggles is no longer on the wiggles she stepped no, back no. and they have they have a a new woman who stepped in to fill her shoes and so you're saying that former wiggle emma is now doing a new project. Yep. She is. It's called Emma Memma. So it's going to be an Auslan majority sign language of the Australian deaf community. So it's like a, a kid's show that she then signs and she's dressed in orange. I cool. don't know when that starts. Yeah. So that will be amazing once it actually comes out to, to learn some sign language. That's great. Well, I'm definitely going to look into that a little bit more because that is very fascinating. I I was also curious, how does Liam navigate having an older sibling with a disability? What's his reaction been and how is it for for your family? He's very much a typical five-year-old in terms of he does not see that Charlotte has anything wrong with her, which is amazing. Um, he's very helpful though. Like he, even though you can see that he appears to not treat her any differently, he also then 
helps her with getting her cutlery out or just the way he interacts, he's very good at helping her because he knows she's different and needs the help. But on the flip side, he is also a firecracker. So if he hasn't got something or we've spent, I think like two weekends ago, Charlotte had soccer and swimming on the same day. So that lit Liam's firecracker because he didn't have anything for him on that day. Um, so we're trying to trying to figure out how to manage his emotions because he just kind of blows up and comes back down. But we try and give him as much time as possible one-on-one time, whether that be once she's in bed, he can stay up and watch the football and then he goes to bed. Even at school, like he'll sit with her at school because he's in kindergarten. And then he also, they're, they're best friends, but they hate each other all in the same day. So good things. <laughs> it, it's amazing to see how oftentimes that's, that's the case that we're just talking about different, there are the same siblings, just, different circumstances, you know, and different catalysts that are building that relationship for them. And uh, it is very interesting to, to talk with those siblings and find out what their experience is and how they view things. Because oftentimes, not oftentimes, all the time, they, that's just their life. That's all they know. And it is what it is. Uh, I wish I had had more of an experience like that growing up, but I didn't. And so I get this experience as a parent and I'm excited to see what our boys are like as they navigate it. Yeah, 100%. I think I think they're I want to say that they're pretty similar in that, you know, they Sammy has very big emotions <laughs> as well. Um and we I say he's very passionate <laughs> is what I call it. Um Yeah, he's very passionate because when he's excited, he's excited and when he's mad, he's mad. And um but at the same time, he can be so sweet and so helpful for Zoe, and he doesn't know any different. That's just, you know, his big sister. That's just, this is how you talk to her. This is how you help her, and you just do it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I don't think he's still, he's figured out yet how to actually speak with her because we'll tell him <laughs> to go ask Zoe if she wants to do this or that or if she wants uh, food or water or something like that. And Zoe's way of, of talking with yes and no is she looks at you in the eyes for yes. And then she looks away for no and he'll go over and he, he tries to ask the question and then he comes running over. And so he says, yes. And I'm like, you, you didn't even look at her. Like what? <laughs> thanks. Thanks for trying, but let's, let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> he does the same thing with you and me though. That is true. So that is true. He's just doing the same thing with his older sibling. So I think Lincoln is frustrated when Charlotte will continue to say the same word. So, well, what's that? What's that? So he'll answer her and then it gets like the 10th time and you can kind of just see his little face go a little red and like, I've told you already. It's a book <laughs> and it's my book. So then we kind of, kind of redirect the conversation. So he doesn't, doesn't lose it either but we've made sure that she knows it's his book and yeah <laughs> typical sibling rivalries uh-huh. well carly this has been an absolute pleasure to get to know you to get to know your family to get to know charlotte and and what your guys's journey has been i would love for you to share with our listeners where they can find out more information about charlotte and your family you guys have a wonderful instagram that you you share stuff on and I'm sure people would love to connect with you through there. 
I've got my own, which is just Carly Bochan, but we also have one that I haven't posted much on lately, which is the voice for our Charlotte, which I don't, I haven't posted a lot on that lately. Um, need to, but sometimes life just gets in the way of posting it does. wonderful things. And that's completely understandable. Not only just being a parent, <laughs> but being the parent of somebody with Rett syndrome. Yes. Well, thank you again so much, Carly, for sitting down and chatting with us. It's been a pleasure, and we hope to be able to talk to you again in the very near future. Yes, that would be wonderful to come back on. I'm sure I can make sure my husband's awake for the, for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've called him out, he has to come on. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, guys. It was nice to share some information and, and feel comfortable. You guys are very great at what you guys do. Well, thank, thank you. you. We appreciate it. Thank you once again to Carly for not only coming on the show, but also reaching out to us. It is so great when people reach out to us and yes. say that they want to share a little bit of their story or they want to connect with us because we love connecting with other people. And so thank you. Thank you, Carly, for that. Well, I guess we end the episode there, Sarah. That's it, right? No. We just... No. We have... It. We have Hello. We we call it quits? No. no. Oh, yeah. It's time for Can't Leave It. Can't Leave It. <laughs> We're slowly adding lyrics to the song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If only we could get somebody to actually write, you know, an, a melody Ooh. for it. Well, I mean, there technically is a melody with a song with this guitar. Anyways... I digress. Let's uh, go into a little conversation about uh, Can't Leave It. We have a special Can't Leave It today. A special one. Yes, it's special. Ring. Why is it special, you may ask? Because it is a joint, joint can't, can't Leave, leave it. it. We didn't even plan that. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. So here's a story about the time we were pulled over. In a high-speed chase. We weren't pulled over. Okay, I take that back. That's, um, let me restart. Let me tell you about the time we were in a high-speed chase. Yes. With the police. Yes. And they spiked the tires on our minivan. What? Tell me more. So, I had taken a day off of work. Mm -hmm. He surprised us. I did. I didn't know. Yep. And... I came downstairs and said, we're going to a water park. And Sarah, wide-eyed, says, uh, where? Yep. And I said, four hours away. So we loaded up the kids. We drove four hours away. We went to this really fun water park. We had a great time. We only paid 50 bucks for all five of us yeah. for a whole day. It was indoors, which is yeah. great, too. So we didn't have to worry about the sun. It's just great. We have very park. fair skin. Not Sam, no, the rest of us. Yes, the rest of you burst into flames, you vampires. Yes. <laughs> so we finish up at the water park, and we are headed home. Now remember, four hours. Yeah. The four hours. And park. we've spent the majority of the day Uh huh. at the water park. Yep. So we are tired. We're ready to go home, go to bed. 
Well, to get to this water park, we had to drive through a bunch of little towns out on a prairie. So, you know, not a whole lot out there. And we're passing through this little town, and there's a group of about, I don't know, six cars. And we're the fourth vehicle from this group of cars that are going through this little town. And it just so happens we're all traveling together because when you're on this highway going through small towns and then wide open spaces of the prairie, you kind of bunch up. Yeah. And so we're in this little group and we're driving through and then two cars up. So the second car back, all of a sudden, the blue and red lights start flashing. And my heart stops. And then I realize, oh, wait, I didn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Does that happen to you? Um, it does, but typically they're behind me, not in front of me. I, well, and see, that's the other part that's really weird <laughs> is that it was this, this sheriff's vehicle is solidly in front of us. And yet I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what happened. So the sheriff pulls over the car at the front of this pack. And then the car that's immediately in front of us, the third car back pulls over as well so i think to myself oh we probably need to pull over too and then i'm like wait why do i need to pull over wait what's going on and i just slowly creep past i just assumed that the two cars the one that got pulled over and the other one were caravanning together and they didn't want to get separated that's what i assumed as well but that wasn't the first thing i assumed because I was taken off guard by the whole situation. It was kind of crazy. So anyways, I slowly peek, creep past the cop and I start driving. And I get to the open uh, section between these two small towns and I'm going 65, 70 miles an hour, whatever the speed limit is. Mm-hmm. And That's I look how fast you were going. I was. Mm-hmm. I was. And I look in the rear view mirror and I see red and blue lights flashing. Now, they're far enough back that I'm not super concerned about needing to pull over right away, but I slowly start to pull over just to, you know, make sure I don't get in the way Uh of law enforcement. However, because we are in the rolling hills of the prairie, I come up over this little hill and I see up ahead of us, probably about 100 yards, another cop car, lights flashing, pulled over on the side of the road. My thought is, well, cop behind us is trying to come and help cop in front of us. I don't want to impede their traffic stop or whatever it is that they're doing. So I am going to continue to drive. I will drive around the cop in front of us and I will just continue on my way. If the cop behind us needs to get past me, then I will pull over at that point. But the cop behind us is so far away. I have plenty of time. Yeah. So we get closer and closer to the cop car in front of us. And all of a sudden, we're probably about 20 feet away. And I see this big black thing in the middle of the lane. Now, this is a two-lane highway. So I am moving over into the oncoming traffic lane to not only give space to the police officers to make sure that they're safe, but also to get away from this big black thing that's in the middle of our lane. Well, I didn't move over far enough. This was 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. It was dark. I had moved over, but our passenger tire, uh, front passenger tire was still in, like, on the line. 
And as I got two feet, one foot, zero feet from this big black thing in the middle of the road, I realized, oh, that's debris, and we're going to hit it. Uh Sure enough, we hit it. I thought so, too. Yep. But then I quickly realized that that was not debris. And how did you realize? (laughs) Because the front passenger tire deflated faster than I've ever experienced (laughs) a tire deflating before. And I realized what a what it potentially is like to drive with a blown tire. Mm -hmm. And I immediately pull over, hop out of the car. I go around and all of a sudden the cop behind us, he comes screaming by chasing a red Toyota Corolla, the same Uh car that had been pulled over back in the little town behind us. And then the cop that had spiked our vehicle Goes ripping past, chasing them down. Off. And then the vehicle that had pulled over at that traffic stop behind the cop, he comes ripping past. Uh-huh. Anyways, it was a whole parade. We weren't, couldn't be a part of it anymore because we had a flat tire and <laughs> it was flat. Flat. It had, what are they? Six. Five or six, yeah. Yeah. So, spikes in it. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with the way that these spikes work, it's like a these little mini spears. Yeah. That go into a metal tube. And then when the spikes are up, the spike penetrates the tire. And then disconnects. And then it, yeah, it falls out of the tube when the tire rotates to the top. And then you have this hole, this hole that's held open by the, the metal tube. And that's what causes it to deflate so quickly. Yeah. And so we saw all of these, these things and we're like, okay. Well, I guess we're going to need to change this tire. (laughs) Probably about two minutes after we started working on that, Uh the cops that had spiked us came back to help us. And they were very sheepish. They were very, so bad. Very, very upset about what had happened. We're so sorry. We're so, we're here to help you. What do we need to do? Well, Sarah and I quickly realized that on this new vehicle we have, which we, we still love it. Yes. It does not have a spare. No, it does not. No spare. So by this point, we're at 9.15. 9.15, we have three small children that have been out playing all day that are tired. Luckily, we had just fed them. Yes. And we had gotten uh, them water. So that was all taken care of. That was good. But nonetheless, we were beat. Oh, yeah. Well, the sergeant comes over and he says, well, you're going to have to get your car towed um, and you're going to have to pay for it. We'll pay you after the fact, but you've got to pay for it. We are an hour and a half away from home. Uh There's no way I am paying on my own credit card to begin with for a tow to go all the way back to home an hour and a half away. So we had him tow it to the next little town. And luckily they had a Walmart and they had a little auto center there. Yep. But we had to wait because it's late. We have small children. We need to get home. We need to get everybody in bed. We need to go to sleep. And so we reached out to a family friend of ours and said, hey, you've you've got older children. You have a large enough vehicle. Please save us. Uh And she drove out an hour and a half to come pick us up. Well, by the time she showed up, it was 1140. Yeah, something like that. The tow truck was already there. He was waiting to load everybody up, and uh, or load up the van, I should say. Um, and so he got it loaded up once we got the kids all moved over to this other car. And then we took off 
what, 10 minutes into town, if that. Yeah. Very quick. Yep. We uh, dropped off our van at the auto center and then we <laughs> went back home an hour and a half. By the time we got home, it was past one o'clock. It was. Uh, by the time I went to sleep, it was past two o'clock. I don't know what time it was for you. It was probably, you were nice and let me shower first. Yeah. So you probably went to bed a little bit earlier, but not by yeah. much. Not by much. So <laughs> we are now at home, but with no vehicle to uh-huh. get people around. <laughs> Luckily, I did have a work vehicle at the time. And uh, I was able to take that out to go pick it up. And I had asked the auto center technicians if they would keep the spikes for us yep. as souvenirs, which we do have them. And uh, I don't we, know what we're going to do with them. I don't know either. Got them. We got to figure something out. Yeah. I mean, we could we could put them in a little shadow box frame <laughs> uh, that, and just put that, like not even any description or anything like that. It would just be really fun to have up. <laughs> yeah, we should do something like that. Definitely a conversation starter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely would be. But uh, we're in the process of getting paid back for the new tire that we had to buy. Six to to eight weeks. Yeah, so long. For them to decide whether they're going to pay us back or not. They're (laughs) freaking pay us back or punch them all in the face. Oh. They were really nice. The officers were were awesome. They were so nice and they were so apologetic. Very helpful. Yeah. But uh, they did catch the guy. Well, so actually, that's what I was going to share is <laughs> I, I pressed him. I pressed him on, you know, okay, yeah. it, you spiked us. You can at least give us some details on what's going on. If you can't pay for what we have to do, then you can at least tell us what's going on. And apparently, the guy was violent offender. He was armed. And in fact, they spiked him not only with the spikes that they got us with, yeah. but they spiked him a second time. He ended up driving in a field, ditching his car, running through the field when they caught him. Uh, they had a bit of a standoff. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Yeah. And they took him into custody and I don't know where he is now. But, but while we were waiting for our ride and the tow truck, we saw his car get towed the other direction. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, this guy. Full circle. This guy, yeah. Well, and also he got his car taken care of quicker than us. That's ridiculous. So anyways, that is the story of us being in a high-speed high chase, chase and our tire being spiked. And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you are notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you could become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on the show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts. Or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit our website.